When I do premarital, I would say once a year, I do a bunch of those every year, a couple will break up. And it's always over this question of core values. And that's sad, that's painful. There's lots of grief and mourning. But I end up weirdly thinking that was like a service that they figured this out now. A, a sense of, uh-oh, a sense of, I, I don't feel free with this person. I have, a, I have a sense that this person is trying to fix me. That's a yellow flag. And you may not know what that's all about, but pay attention to that flag. It may be uh, the signal I need to kind of, at minimum, slow this thing down, and maybe this relationship needs to end. I had shared this at, at one point and we had talked about it. We both want to be better off for having been in this relationship, whether it's us being together or us not being together. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll lead to marriage. If not, we'll be better off. Thankfully, it led to marriage. <laughs> Something that I have kept in the back of my mind is like, if for whatever reason we have to break up, I would want to leave him healthy and myself healthy. We don't have a covenant to keep us together. We haven't committed that to each other. So there is this reality of like, we could walk away from this and say like, you know what, that was significant enough to me that I don't know that we should be walking together anymore. And I want to be in a place that if for whatever reason we were to break up to be like, I have not lost who I am in God. God still speaks identity over me every day and I'm confident of who I am, that I respected emotional and physical and spiritual boundaries with this person to a place where we're not enmeshed. Like there's not gonna be like like a tearing of ties between us because we started to find identity in each other. Like even the clarity of like, I'd like to, I, you know, will you be my girlfriend? No. Okay, all right. Then I'm not emotionally gonna be connected to you as though you are my girlfriend. When things get really ugly, especially in relationships, is when people start to close their hands around the other person and say, no, <laughs> they're mine. They're mine. No, Lord, don't take them from no. And that's when it starts to get messy. And that doesn't help the relationship. And that's when breakups look really bad. And I think that was something that when we had our, like, earlier on, this, like, DTR, we both were very this. And we were able to be this. And that made it so our breakup was actually beautiful. It was actually good to where we could walk away from one another, hopeful for ourselves and hopeful for the other person because we both trusted the Lord. A turning point was God just, I, it was just like he spoke it quite clearly. Like, I have good plans for her and I have good plans for you, Brian. And that was such a huge turning point to be like, okay, okay, Lord. Like, I believed he was going to do good and amazing things in her there. I just had this like, oh, you're gonna, it's going to be awesome. And I'm not going to be a part of it. But it being like, God's like, I am with you too. Right where you are, I am with you. And I have plans and intentions for you in this season as well. Don't miss them, Brian. Don't miss them. I think after a relationship ends, you're guarded I was still trying to collect myself and understand myself. What I learned was allowing people into my life brought not only connections, relationships, and friendships, but also little bits of joy. So you began to feel your life building up again. It's one of those experiences that God allows you to go through so you can fully understand that you were you are still flesh and blood, human, and you're still going to have to fight and 
um, resist temptation and make decisions that are glorifying to the Lord and not um, just out of your own flesh. But to me, it showed me that even in our weaknesses, God is right there. You just have to call on Him. I don't want to only come to God when I'm in the depths of despair, but He shows up in such a cool way in those times. And I think that during those times, I actually got to realize or see God as like the perfect lover. That's what was really cool for me. Because I mean, yeah, it sucks to, to feel like you're broken up. And like, I mean, I've never felt so much like despair than when I've broken up with somebody, you know, you hit that deep level. But I think that's just such an opportunity to deepen your relationship with God. And that's what happened for me. Like as Christians, sometimes we refer to the defending of our faith as apologetics. And I think that we, I know for me, I went through a time of like apologetics about our relationship of, of doubting, of questioning um, Brian and who he is in our relationship, who we are together. That refined us, that made us stronger to where we went into it of like, yeah, I want to marry this girl. And she's like, yeah, I think I want to marry this guy to like, oh, <laughs> like maybe we're not even going to be together in any way this testing, it refined us and clarified, nope, this is good. To where the resolve about our marriage and about us getting married and this relationship being like, God is for this, um, was all the, all the stronger because of that testing. And we were better off because of it. I'm thankful for it. I can say truly, I'm thankful for it now. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jordan Zaretta for putting all that together. Guys, let's give a applause for Jordan. We've spent, uh, we spent hours and hours and hours of time talking to people, hearing their stories, and Jordan has been so diligent and faithful to serve all of us by going through that and, and being able to piece together the stories of multiple people to convey the overall message that God is sharing through their stories. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you, Jordan. I'm calling you out. I know you hate it, but we all love you and thank you for what you've done to serve us by compiling these things. Amen? Everybody? Everybody? Thank you, Jordan. Um, well, if you didn't get it from that, we're talking about breakups tonight. Anybody pumped? No? Yeah. <laughs> all right, breakups. This is the best part of my life. Probably not, right? I think uh, most of you in here have probably experienced a breakup in some way. Uh, maybe, maybe you haven't, uh, and that's a wonderful thing. Or maybe you're like, oh, but if only because I just really want somebody to break up with me. And that means I first have to have somebody to be with. <laughs> and you're longing for that. Well, you came to the right place. We're glad you're here. <laughs> I uh, am talking about breaking up and how to do that gracefully, how to do that gracefully. And if you think that's like an oxymoron, like that, that can't really happen. You can't actually break up gracefully. That's not possible. I'm a living testament that it is. And as, as um, I come before you here tonight, I have, am a person that has experienced uh, a breakup in all three vantage points. Uh, the first, which is the ever so sought after one, that is being a mutual breakup where we're both like, yeah, it's better that we move on. And I think we all mostly are like, oh, no, yeah, I've experienced that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, it's like she broke up with you and you're like, oh, it was mutual. <laughs> it's 
mutual, really. But inside, you're like, oh, gosh. Like, if only... The mutual breakup, I've experienced that. You got to hear a little bit of my story and Amy's story. Um, and we've experienced that. I have experienced that. I've also experienced uh, a breakup where I've initiated it. And I've done that well once. <sighs> Not so well a couple other times. I've also experienced the breakup where I got broken up with where I was receiving and responding to somebody saying, I don't want to be with you. And I got to experience that. I've experienced all three facets. I haven't done them all well. But I can't say that God is kind and he is with you no matter what you've gone through or where you've been. And he has a future and a hope for you. He did for me. Praise the Lord. Thank you. It's so good. So maybe you have experienced all three of those same vantage points. Maybe you've experienced one, maybe you've experienced none. But our goal tonight, our goal tonight is that uh, we would sit under God's word, that we would be open to his Holy Spirit and learn the ways of graceful breakups. And graceful doesn't mean painless. It doesn't mean painless. But even a breakup can be a part of God working all things for the good of those who love him. That even in a breakup, we can believe that, uh, that that is what he can do, and we can participate in that process rather than fighting it. We can see it come to fruition and help it be so. So if you've been in a relationship that ended in a breakup, or you are currently in a relationship that might end in a breakup, uh, sorry guys, it's a reality. That relationship, whatever relationship you're in, whatever relationship you might be in, it has a lifespan, a general lifespan. Okay, so this is my diagram of the lifespan of a relationship. It is very um, complex. (laughs) Not really. It's very simple. It's very straightforward, actually. If you could put all three points up, that'd be great. Um, The first uh, stage of a relationship is how you enter the relationship. This is the lifespan of a relationship. The second is how you operate within that relationship, and then finally, how you end the relationship. Now, that doesn't mean every relationship ends with a breakup. Some end in death, but guess what? They all end. They all end. So every relationship, this is the lifespan of it. You enter a relationship, you operate within one, and then it ends somewhere along the line. This is not amazing or groundbreaking. It's quite straightforward, right? And all the things that we've been talking about over these few weeks, uh, they, they all uh, matter to every facet of this. Healthy dating, healthy singleness, a proper view of yourself before God, all of these things apply to starting off a relationship well, to going through a relationship well, and even to ending a relationship well. The lesson from God's word, the lessons that we get, if we apply them, it will have an impact on all three phases of a relationship's lifespan. And this is important. This is really, really important. While we are talking about this stuff tonight, breaking up, the truth is, how you do the first two phases can have a huge impact on the difficulty of this last one. It can have a huge impact. The best way to set yourself up for a graceful breakup is to do the first two well. Is to do the first two well. 
to start on the right foot and then operate in a God-honoring way. And this is a good lesson for those who, cur- who uh, are not currently dating anyone. Start it off well, operate well in it, and then if it ends in a breakup, you'll be better suited for it to end well and end gracefully. Some of you who aren't dating people are like, okay, great, thanks, cool, I'll keep listening, great. Those of you who are in here and you're like, look, I'm currently in a relationship or I'm currently processing a breakup, blew that one. I want to let you know there's hope. There's hope. There's always hope. Just because doing these two makes this one easier, it doesn't mean it's too late to course correct. There's always time to course correct. And the sooner you change your ways, the greater the likelihood that things will go well. The sooner you change the way, your ways, the greater the, th- the likelihood that things will go well. So just because you're in a relationship and you've crossed physical boundaries that you never wanted to cross, yes, that's going to impact how a breakup might happen. That is going to complicate it. But it's not too late to change things. Or you've drifted to a sort of codependent idolatry where, where you use them for all your comfort or your security. It's not too late to start operating by the God-given counsel that has been shared over these weeks and will continue to be shared, even tonight. If you're in the process of breaking up or you're coming out of it, even if it's been terribly painful, even if it's been unnecessarily contentious, implement this stuff tonight and it will be better. It will be better. Let the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God be your guide and your counsel. And it will benefit you and it will benefit the other person. The same principles that lead to a healthy relationship lead to graceful breakups. It's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. So whether you're on the front end, you're dating someone right now, or you're coming out of a relationship, may this wisdom tonight, this wisdom from God, benefit you. Our passage tonight is Ephesians 4. We're going to be in verses 29 to 32. So if you have your Bible, go and open to that. And this is going to be our guide for this subject tonight. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is our guidebook tonight for graceful breakups. We'll start with verse 29. It says clearly up front, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. As you heard in that video, something that was said not just by Amy and I, something that we have learned, but also other people have learned and seen that having a mindset of building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit them is a fruitful mindset for healthy relationship and for healthy conflict, maybe even a breakup. This should be your goal in every relationship, in every interaction, to build others up according to their needs. Not just romantic relationships, every relationship, this should be your goal. To build others up according to their needs that it may benefit them. 
that your speech, your actions, even your breaking up with someone can eventually be a part of building them up according to their needs in the Lord Jesus. That may sound upside down. That may sound impossible. But as I've said, it's not. I've experienced it myself. And even though it was painful to be broken up with, the benefit bore out over time and was the fruit of being surrendered to God and having this mindset. Here's a phrase that's trustworthy that I want you to adopt. It's this, that no matter the outcome of this relationship, I want, to, I want them to be better off for having been in it with me. No matter the outcome of this relationship, I want them to be better off for having been in it with me. And there are two aspects to this phrase that I want to point out, that I want to call our attention to, that are necessary for it to be effective in leading to a graceful dating or, or a graceful end to a relationship. And the first is that not being with this person is a real possibility. Not being with that person is a real possibility. Unless you put a ring on it, it's possible that you're going to break up. And it is wise to confront that reality. To accept that you could break up with this person, that they could break up with you, that you might not be together. And then to think about, think about that when you push a boundary physically or navigating conflict with them. If you were their next boyfriend or girlfriend, would you be mad about how you treated them? Would you be mad about that? Treat them in such a way that it calls their next boyfriend or girlfriend to a higher standard. Treat them in a way that honors the Lord and honors the one who God has put before you, someone he loves. You get an opportunity to participate in his love for them, even in the midst of a breakup. Step up to that. And that calls to that second part, right? You got to first acknowledge that no matter the outcome of this relationship, that it could end. And the second is that you actually want them to be better off. That if it comes to a place where it is best to break up, you both could look back on the relationship and even the breakup and thank God for it. You know, each week we've been releasing these long form videos. If you don't know the, all that content that was drawn from to make that short five-minute video or whatever of different couples talking. Well, we interviewed about 20 different people from people who are single, people who are widowed, people who had been married a long time, people who had been married a short time, and just asking them about, about marriage and about life and about their story and what God has taught them along the way. We've been releasing those videos, the long form, the full interview with those people each week, different ones along the way. And I want to encourage you to go check it out, to, to not miss out on the wisdom that is shared through those. You know, it's a, it's a wide array of people uh, that, that have different perspectives, that differ in so many different ways, but still they all fit into the same category of pursuing God in relationships and marriage. And these stories are so good. Oh, they're so good. Like if there's any bit of wisdom that you heard in any of those things and you're like, wow, that's good. Go listen to the whole thing because there's so much more. <laughs> there's so much more. And the Lord is revealed through the stories of his people. God is revealed through the stories of his people. 
We learn so much about who he is when we sit under the testimony of others. If you missed the Blackman's interview that was released last week, go back and watch it. Next week will be the Thompson's. And man, there's so much of God to be seen in their story. And then there's more to come even after that and some that came before. Go check them out. You can find that on YouTube. You can find that at Calvary Westlake on YouTube. You can also check it out on our our social media. We're posting that stuff and giving links to that. This week is the video of Amy and I sharing our story. And our pre-marriage story isn't exactly linear. In fact, we sat with Jordan for like an hour and a half plus sharing our story, and we didn't even get to the marriage part. (laughs) Like, like we didn't even get to the eight years of marriage we spent and what God has shown us and, and that process along the way. Amy and I wanted to share. We were eager to share, in part because we just want to be more known to you, especially Amy. She's not in here on Thursdays very often. We got two kids, you know, bedtimes, so... That's how that works. But we want, we want to be open to you and that you might know us a little bit better. And I hope that you go and check it out and perhaps get some encouragement that the same principles that lead to healthy relationships lead to graceful breakups. And the opposite is true as well. A graceful breakup might provide the blueprint for a healthy relationship down the road. You know, Amy and I are not perfect. Not hardly. We've made mistakes. We've made mistakes. We're still making mistakes. But we've also been successful in some areas, in some ways. Because of the wisdom and grace of God, there has been a lot of that too in our life. I want to encourage you to watch our story, not because we're awesome, but because God is. And may he be revealed through our story. All right, coming back. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Unwholesome talk. This is really important for a healthy breakup. Unwholesome talk. Don't let that come out of your mouths. (laughs) The Greek word that Paul uses here that is translated unwholesome can also be understood as rotting, spoiled, or decaying. It's all stuff associated with death. And speech that comes from that place or leads to that would certainly contradict the life, love, and vitality that God creates and intends for us. If you follow Jesus, if you submit yourself to him, if you call him Savior, that has no place in our life. You know, if you want to leave behind unwholesome, decaying talk, and experience better breakups, then we need a little wisdom about what that looks like. And if ever you need wisdom or you need practical, godly insight on conduct, it's usually beneficial to pursue, peruse, peruse? Yeah, that's a word, pursue. You can pursue the Proverbs too, but perusing them is probably better. Um, And so that's what I did. Unwholesome talk. I went into the Proverbs. And you know what? I opened up to chapter 15 because I knew of a verse that I wanted to look there, and I'd never left it. Just one chapter gives all this wisdom about what unwholesome talk looks like, what healthy words and speech and conduct is. So let's walk through a few of, the, a few of these. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
Another one, Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. I think we all know that you can convey the same message with different words and different tones and have an entirely different outcome. Right? Like, I don't think I need to give even a practical example. We all get it. You can, say, you, can be, you can say the same message with different words and different tone, and it be an entirely different communication. As a verse 18 points out here, a lack of patience is often the stumbling block on this one. To be quick to listen and slow to speak is the counsel that James gives us. And if even one of you carries this into the conversation, no matter how contentious the conversation may be, it will benefit you both. It will benefit both of you to be patient with the words you have to say. Proverbs 15.4 says this, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Again, we get gentleness, right? The gentleness is championed. It's a fruit of the Spirit, after all. It's important to God. It's important to God's people to be gentle. But notice that a deceitful tongue crushes the Spirit. Deceit is not helpful. It's not beneficial, and it's not caring for the needs of a person. We are to be gentle, yes, but never deceitful. So speak the truth. Proverbs 15, 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? Sorry, exclamation point, right? How good is a timely word? That's better. That's weird, sorry. <laughs> I don't, sometimes I don't think through things. I really need to pay attention to the Proverbs. Okay. Think about what you say before you say it. All right. How good is a timely word? Don't wait to give someone an answer you already have. Don't wait to give someone an answer you already have. Don't drag them along. Don't dodge them. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Clarity is kind. And the longer a person dangles in ambiguity, the more harm you're doing to them. So if you, if you, if you, don't want to go on the third date. You're like, you know, we've been on two. I know I don't want to go on a third. Tell him that. Straight up. Tell him, tell her. I, just let them know. Like, I appreciate the time that I have had to get to know you. But I think it's beneficial for us both to move on. Like, tell them. Don't go on that third date. If you don't see yourself marrying someone. And the person you're dating, no matter how long you've been with them, you don't see yourself marrying them. You just don't see that happening. Let them know and set them free to pursue a relationship with someone they could have a future with. It may be crushing news for them to hear. It may be painful in the moment, but delaying that experience any longer for them is not benefiting them or building them up. In the long run, they will rejoice in your kindness for giving them the timely word rather than dragging them along any longer. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. That's the proverb I gotta gotta work on here. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Breakups can be hard, right? They can be painful, but that doesn't mean they can't be graceful. 
Weigh your words before you speak them. When responding to what is said, think carefully about what you say. And if your emotions are high and you're like on the verge of losing it and you just can't tame that tongue, pause. Put a pause on it. Take a long pause even if you need to. Ask them for time to think and to respond later. And come back around to the conversation. And maybe the best response is one where you you write it out in letter form. Where you can have the space to weigh your words and the, the wholesomeness of what you're communicating. But do whatever's needed to make sure that your talk, your speech, your actions are wholesome. Breakups can be painful. But in your pain or frustration or discomfort, don't lash out with wounding or manipulative words that benefit no one. And in the end, don't solve the problem of your own discontented heart. Verse 29, again, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We'll continue into verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. My friends, this is identity. This is who you are. Right here, it's all about identity, and it's essential to have a right identity to have a graceful breakup. It's incredibly helpful. I guess it's not necessarily essential, but it's incredibly, incredibly helpful for a graceful breakup or a healthy relationship. Three points I want to make here about identity that we can learn from this. One, you are accountable to God. You are accountable to God. It is to him we are accountable. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. To to bungle up, to mess up this stuff, these relationships, these interactions, and wound unnecessarily one of God's dearly loved children grieves the spirit of God, and there is accountability for that. In Jeremiah 17, we read that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can trust it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve. We are accountable to God. And that is a very different thing than just being accountable to our peers or the court of public opinion. We are accountable to God. And this is so central to identity because to understand who it is we report to changes everything about who we are. The beautiful thing is that not only are we accountable to him, but he's the one who then defines us. And that's the second point, that you are defined by God. It is the Holy Spirit of God, it is with the Holy Spirit of God that we are sealed for the day of redemption. In Romans 3, we read, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. All of us are justified freely through Jesus. You are defined by God. You are defined by him. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in your mother's womb. But God didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. But he ransomed you from the just condemnation that you and I both deserve. Jesus went to the cross shedding his blood and in agony, he bore the punishment we deserved. He died, was buried, and rose from the grave, proving his deity and securing for us eternal life. Not only that, not only did he do all that, but he also sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and show us the way and bring his resurrection power into these mortal bodies. And it's with that spirit that each of us, every one of us is sealed, confirmed to be God's chosen, his beloved children. You are secure in God. He is your compass. He is your reward. And as shocking as it may be, you are his. You are secure in God. You are already loved. You are already chosen. Say it again, you're already loved. You are already chosen. No man, no woman, no broken relationship or struggle for compatibility can ever undermine your security in God. No, so long as we're willing to trust what he says about us, we can move out in complete confidence and be unshaken, be unshaken to internalize the truth about our identity in God, being rooted and established in God himself, it sets us free. It sets me free. It sets you free when we do such a thing, when we lean on such a thing, such a reality of the one who created us and rescued us. It sets us free to care for others selflessly and to seek their good because we're not clamoring for every bit of approval or love that we can get when we've got it in abundance in him. Amen? You are accountable to God. You are defined by God. And this is, this is so important. Please hear this. So are they. They are accountable to God. And they are defined by him. You are not responsible for soothing all their insecurities. You actually can't. Like, you can't do it. And if you try, you're going to do a really bad job. Like, it's just how it works. It is God who can help them. And it is to God that you ought, to con you ought to constantly direct your heart and theirs. You should not be holding them up. They should not be holding you up. That makes for some really messy and ungrace-filled breakups and ungrace-filled relationships. Find your identity in God and leave them to do the same if need be. I'll say that again. Find your identity in God and leave them to do the same if need be. In the long run, they will be better off, and so will you. So you are accountable to God. You are defined by God. And finally, you are defended by God. Let him defend you. Let him be your defender. There are always going to be people in your life, always going to be people in your life who misunderstand you, people who don't like you, and there may be even the people who are closest to you at times. There will always be people who criticize you, judge you, attack you, spread rumors about you. And when you are misunderstood, you're going to have a tendency to, to get in there and defend yourself, to want to do that. I know I do. <laughs> want to defend myself. No, you're not understanding me. You're not under, you, 
There's an injustice within me that says I have to correct this. Sometimes it's meaningful to do it, but often it's not. At least not when it's contentious. Or at least not, well, more so. At least not the way I end up doing it. <laughs> when you're misunderstood, you might have the tendency to defend yourself. You probably will. When you're attacked, your first reaction is probably to attack back. When you're criticized, you might want to criticize back. When people insult you, you'll want to insult them back. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is like the most simple instruction and yet the most difficult instruction. Let God be your defender. Every time you're under attack, criticized, put down, or misunderstood, you have two choices. You can defend yourself or you can let God defend you. And in the long run, who do you think is going to do a better job? He will. Romans 12, we read verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the upside down kingdom to which we belong, if you are a follower of Jesus. It's all upside down, it's all crazy, but it is the most real and true thing. It is the most loving and meaningful thing. The kingdom of God where we bless our enemies rather than curse them. We follow God's example. And it is with such actions that even the most contentious conversations can have a touch of God's grace. Be the one who brings that grace into the relationship, into the conversation. Be the one who lets God defend you. Seriously, like you are most like Christ when you say nothing in the face of attack, lies, or unfair criticism. You are most like Christ in those situations. You're more like him when you remain silent and leave it in God's hands. 1 Peter 2 says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Even Jesus did not fight back in the face of his unjust conviction and persecution. He trusted God to defend him when it mattered most and to have the ultimate justice. You are accountable to God. You are defined by God, and you are defended by him. Verse 31, we'll pick it up there in Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, malice, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Sorry, I didn't say that right, did I? I didn't read that right. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. I think I got it right. The heart that is pursuing the benefit of others is the heart that surrenders all these things to God. That surrenders these things to him. We'll walk through them real quick. One, don't be malicious. Don't be malicious, but honor what they have asked of you. If they need space, give it to them. If you still have their sweatshirt, their favorite sweatshirt, give it back. Don't like burn it. That's just malicious, man. That's his favorite sweatshirt. 
Give it back. Don't slander them to others. This is probably one of the ones that's the hardest. It's the hardest when you're around with your friends and, and there's one thing to, to talk with your friends and, and to process things with friends. It's another thing to just be slandering people. Don't soothe your insecurities by creating new ones for them. Like love them by honoring their reputation. Instead of speaking evil of someone, we are to be kind to each other, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another. And if you're like, but come on, they don't deserve that. Yeah, neither do you. Yet God still forgave us, and Jesus still stands before his throne speaking good of us. Let's do what he does. Next, don't incite fights. Don't incite fights between you. In Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And there's an interesting difference here between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Maybe you haven't reflected on it, but there's a big difference. A peacekeeper is quite passive. A peacekeeper is much easier. But to be a peacemaker is someone who goes into hostile territory and seeks to forge new ground. Peacemakers are the complete opposite of passive. It is proactive pursuit of peace and, and quite the opposite of brawling. Finally, don't let anger have its way with you. Don't let anger have its way with you. Again, we'll go back to James 1. My beloved children, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. And the last one here is don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. Perhaps you're looking at this or you're hearing me tonight and you, you see these things and you're like coming out of this terrible relationship where you were treated horrifically, unjustly, in ways that just should never have been the case. You're like, geez, Brian, like, let me stew a little bit. <laughs> I got to say, one, it's not me saying it, it's the Bible. Sorry. Take it up with him. You see, Jesus calls us higher. He calls us higher. Our standard is not just a little bit better than those around us. Our standard for right living has little to do with the people that are in this room or the people outside that door and what they think is right or good or just. It has very little to do with that and everything to do with Jesus himself and what he did and how he lived. It's on another level entirely, a level that, that we quite literally cannot reach on our own. It's beyond us. We need God's help. Our expectation, our aim is heavenly perfection, to live and love like Jesus, the one who said, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus defines what righteousness is, and he, in complete innocence, went to the cross. Nails being driven in, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Yes, you've been wronged. You've been wronged. You've been wounded Maybe you've been blamed unjustly. So speak the truth about that. Remove yourself from that relationship. Set some boundaries, but do so in love, not bitterness. Do it in love, for that is what Jesus models. And that is what Jesus calls us to.
to let go of all of these things and hold tighter to him. You know, I have a friend who, in high school, had been dating a guy for some time, uh, a couple years. They broke up, and very shortly after, she found out that he had been cheating on her. Discontented with the physical boundaries she had been holding, he found it with other girls. She finds this out and is feeling all sorts of things that you might expect. And then she did something odd. But I believe entirely pleasing to God. She wrote a letter. Wrote to his parents. (laughs) Thanking them for the good things she experienced while in the relationship with him. She expressed her forgiveness, but most of all her gratitude for the good things that she did experience over those two years. There was no slander. There was no malice. There was no fighting or bitterness. She was a peacemaker. She also isn't dumb. She's wise. She's not with him. Her trust with him has been broken, and he has been made aware of the wrong he did. But she forgave him for the wrong and the wounding he gave her. And in reflecting upon what she could be grateful for and what there was to learn, she can now, years later, see the hand of God at work through it. Not only that, but he got a glimpse of Jesus through her response to his failure. He got a glimpse of Jesus through her response to his failure. And I don't know what he did with that lesson, but she can walk away knowing she did not grieve the spirit of God. Head held high, she gave him the opportunity to see God through her. Who wouldn't want to be that person? who can walk away confident, knowing that God is with them, knowing that they did everything in their power to show kindness and love, even to a person who many would say doesn't deserve it. Maybe that's some stories for someone in here. Maybe someone needed to hear that. Let's continue into verse 32. And actually, band, how about you guys make your way up? Verse 32. We round it out like this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. In all things, with all people, remember what God has done for you, and you will be better equipped to do likewise for others. Remember what he has done and be thankful. Forgive and be thankful. Live in compassion and kindness, forgiveness and thankfulness, lest you condemn the good with the bad. Like my friend who wrote that letter. If you're coming out of a breakup, it might do you some good to reflect on what, there, what was there that you can be thankful for. And this is a trustworthy saying. This is a trustworthy saying. With gratitude and forgiveness, we ration the devil's ammo. We are quite literally pulling bullets out of his gun when we respond with gratitude and forgiveness. When we seek gratitude and forgiveness. And it's a gun that's aimed at you and everyone you might be holding a grudge against. 
When we remember what Christ did for us, there's little room for those things that grieve the Spirit. And in that remembrance, the natural alignment of our hearts will shift to gratitude. I want to leave you tonight with this verse in Colossians 2, 7. It says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for defending us. We thank you for speaking well of us, championing us, even through our failures. Father, may the aroma of Christ and the knowledge of him be dispersed into this world through us. Lead us in living according to your principles in every circumstance, in every conversation, that others may see your righteousness and praise you. Lord, may they praise you. May they see you in us. Help us to this end, Lord. And forgive us along the way. We know you will. To you, Lord, be the glory forever and ever. Amen.